This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the EDH RecCast. I am your host for the week. My name is Matt Morgan, and I, as my usual co-host, I have Dana Roach here as well. Dana, what's going on? I, I'm doing great this this fine evening. So well, I don't even have a dad joke queued up. I'm just going to uh, move right along. I mean, I it's a special occasion. I don't it have is. a dad joke ready to go either. But the special occasion is it's it's pretty dang special because this week we have a very special guest, a friend of the show, friend in person and everywhere, basically. So to Fairy Magic, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself for everyone who wrongfully doesn't know who you are? <laughs> hey, gang, uh, it is me, Teferi Magic on Twitter or TeferiMTG on Instagram um, or just Teferi. You can just call me that if you want. Uh, my muggle name, sorry for crossing the streams, is Orlando. <laughs> um, I also answer to that from time to time. I, I see what you did there being Teferi, who is the wizard of time. Actually, are, are you a pretty good chef if you are the, the wizard of time? You know, I, I do keep a, keep a good eye on what's going on the stove. So um, the timer usually doesn't get away from me. So. Okay. Well, I'm going to oregano on this. Oh, boy. I'm gonna, uh, that, was, that was a stretch. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just going to move a little along. So, so the reason, everyone, that we have Arlando on the show is we're in the middle of preview season for Lord of the Rings Tales of Middle Earth. And this set is super exciting. Arlando reached out to us and said, hey, I've got an idea. Do you just want to talk about Lord of the Rings and be nerds? And we were like, of, of course, yes. So here we are. We're going to get real nerdy this week. So buckle in, everybody. But real quick, we do have some shout outs to do before we move on. So Dana, take us away there. First, we want to thank Chase, also known as Manic Curves, for help editing the show. You can find them on Twitter at Manic Curves. And if you'd like to support the show, you can do so by liking and subscribing to this video on YouTube, subscribing to your local podcast app, or by going to patreon.com slash EDHRETCAST, where we have patron tiers of all sorts of levels. You can join our Discord community for $2 a month. It's nothing. It's a great community. It's awesome. But also, there's a tier we can get the weekly patron shout-out. That's what Patrick Wozniak did. Went over to patreon.com slash EDHRETCAST. Uh, and Patrick, it could be cool if you're Carolyn Wozniacki. You're so close. Or, or Steve Wozniak. <laughs> You have some very, very famous namesakes, but Patrick, we appreciate your support either way, and, and thank you so much. Um, Lord of the Rings, should we jump right into it here and start talking about it? Heck yeah, yeah we should. We, we may as well. I mean, that's the whole reason Arlanda's here. So, so Teferi, good sir. Yes. yes. You reached out to us, and you were yes, very excited to, to, to match our excitement. How, how just wild is it to you that we're kind of crossing over Magic the Gathering with Lord of the Rings just to begin with? Because it's, it's kind of groundbreaking it feels like a nexus of fate if i may be so bold <laughs> um i feel like <laughs> the lord of the rings uh, since i was a wee young scamp um has been you know just a seminal text something that i loved since i was just a kid and read all the books you know i was reading the hobbit to my fifth grade class you know um and then graduated to the trilogy and it blew my mind and set the tone for in many ways you know what i consider good storytelling to be and um yeah it's it's to me J.R. tolkien is in the holy trinity of fantasy writers my personal fantasy holy trinity yeah i, I was curious like so, so did somebody introduce you to that uh, or was it just happenstance that like you were in the library and saw the hobbit and picked it up and, and went and it went from there that's a great question. My mom actually um, had it on her bookshelf. Nice. Um, and she's like, you know, you might like that. You know, it might be something you're into. And I was like, okay. And hooked. Yeah. Hooked. Um, so, yeah, just amazing. I might have seen um, the animated film, which I dearly love, I think has so much going for it um, over the trilogy that shall be named. Um, <laughs> but the original Hobbit film is just a sweet little thing. It's funky and it's weird. Uh, but it it may have also just kickstarted that because I was like, oh, there's a movie and that book is on my mom's bookshelf. So 
I like the movie. Maybe I should read the book. Um, very big reader. My mother was a librarian. So, yeah. My, my mom is an English teacher and theater oh. teacher. So, I, I get the big same right there. Um, I, I was raised in the theater, you know, a whole bunch of theater kids in college and high school. And so, definitely had a lot of nerdy influences growing up too. And, and so, that all rubbed off. I also remember watching the old cartoon movie. And I think I was too young to really understand what was going on, but I liked it. And now that I'm older, can appreciate it. It's it's so cool. And then, yeah, the the, the Peter Jackson trilogy. Mm. It. I remember. I, I remember going to the theaters as it was coming out. And I went and saw each movie multiple times, and I just, it, it was so great. And now just seeing that come over into Magic Gathering, I it's it's so exciting. I, I'm just I've been giddy since they announced it, and just when you yeah. reached out, I was also excited to have somebody to just nerd out with. Yeah, I love it. I Th love that it. old Rankin Bass Hobbit movie yeah. too is one of those like back in the the 70s movies when for whatever reason like children's animation was so heavily influenced by people that were well into the <laughs> pipe weed i guess might be the way i would phrase that yeah there's some dark moments <laughs> like genuinely weird trippy stuff was just like <laughs> let's just show this to six-year-olds why not um but i mean i it, it hooked me too it was one of those things that that i saw as a kid and then a little bit, you know, I think I was probably like early junior high or so when I when I finally read the book and having had read other not very good fantasy, reading that Hobbit book and reading something written by a real writer who could turn a phrase and create a word and like create a world, that, that jump, like I remember right, right around the same time was the first time I saw Jaws and I had these oh. two realizations that like, oh, there's, there's these things and there's this thing that someone who's fantastically talented did and those are very very different um so like that that, that the hobbit was that for me for books like jaws was yeah. for movies yeah those are two good barometers yeah and and i mean now that we've kind of qualified our our nerddom and fandom of lord of the rings <laughs> let's get into the actual cards because like you said it we are mid preview season so we don't have all the cards out yet but we wanted to record because I, my excitement is very high. And I know for you too, it's obviously very high. So of all the cards we've seen so far, like I said, we're, we're a few days in. What is the most exciting to you? Just throw out, Orlando, what card immediately Ooh. caught your eye as, oh my what gosh, I need this one. Immediately caught my eye. I think, I can't remember. I want to say, and I've got Scryfall up here, um, but the Family of the Gathering previewed a card last night it's the Doors of Durin, mm -hmm. yeah. and uh, it's a uh, cost five, uh, three colorless, a red, and a green, and basically cheats out creatures and um, is thematically on point, and uh, it looks very powerful in EDH especially. So for those of you who don't know, it, Doors of Durin is a legendary artifact. It's three, a red, and a green, and it says whenever you attack, you scry two, then you may reveal the top card of your library. If it's a creature card, put it onto the battlefield tapped and attacking until your next turn. It gains trample if you control a dwarf and hexproof if you control an elf. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's cheating things out. You, and the wildest part about this is you get to look at the top two cards and try to find something and you're, you're manipulating your top deck. Right. That just seems silly to me that you're able to do all of those things, not just reveal a top card or scrying. You get to do both of them. And I love the flavor win. Mm -hmm. um, the Doors of Durin is so, uh, you know, memorable in the films and and whatnot. But in terms of the marriage of dwarf and elf and the kinship that they shared, um, I think this is a wonderful representation of that in gameplay terms. And um, the flavor text is speak, friend, and enter. And that's what that is. You know, it's, it's just, I think it's just a gorgeous card that has uh, got me excited. I, yeah, I, and I'm very curious to see what the what the elvish looks like because you can on the art of the card you can kind of see the inscription on the actual door. I hope in foil that comes out really sharp, and hopefully the Watcher of the Lake doesn't come and get you. We haven't seen that card yet. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but the Watcher in the water. Yeah. Uh, so Dana, what about you? What's a card that immediately jumped out to you when you first saw it? Um, probably the last March of the Ents. Um, it's six it's six green green for sorcery. It can't be countered for one. Um, draw cards equal to the greatest toughness among creatures you control, um, then put any number of creature cards from your hand onto the battlefield. Um, so that's super powerful. The fact that it can't be countered is nuts. Um, Flavor-wise, it's kind of a home run with the last March of the Ents as well. And I have an affinity for the Ents. Um, 
that 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 little storyline from from the the Lord of the Rings books, like there's it, it's such a tragic little story. Mm. Reading about these 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 very peaceful, quiet, knowledgeable, wise creatures that are doomed. Like they're they're like because the Entwives can't be found, their their race is going to go extinct. This is their last attempt to make a difference in the world. It's like such a sorrowful and tragic story that it that's has been one of the things from the books that has always stuck with me is just the, the everything about the ends and like seeing that represented on a really good card as well. Um, yeah, yeah, that that's one that really popped out at me so far. Yeah, it's a banger for mm-hmm. sure. It's super green yeah. and super strong. Yeah. I mean, look, even if you take out the lore and everything behind the card, which like you said, Dana, very powerful. The card itself is <laughs> yeah, wildly yeah. powerful. Yeah, like, right. why, why should you have to do a Solvala Stampede or a Rishkar's Expertise when you could just, do, you can just do, do them all? Right. Yeah. Like Rishkar's Expertise is already in pretty much every one of my green decks. This card is going in there with them too. Like it, it's just yeah. everything that I like to do in green, this card is doing. And and since you stole my card, because I also was thinking of of Last March of the Ents. Oh, nice. I really want to mention Tom Bombadil. Tom it's Bombadil. so hard. To, to wrap up the character that is Tom Bombadil, but I think they did a really good job with it in a flavorful way. So so Tom Bombadil is, it's all five colors. So a white, blue, black, red, and a green for a legendary god bard. Um, so right legendary there. Legendary god bard, just a <laughs> right. moment. Yeah, yeah. Just, just enjoy that. Goals. But Tom Bombadil is always singing in the books, always rescuing the hobbits because they need it. But and so uh, Tom also has other text. Uh, as long as there are four or more lore counters among sagas you control, Tom Bombadil has hexproof and indestructible. Great. And then whenever the final chapter ability of a saga you control resolves, reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a saga card. Put that card on the battlefield and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. And this only triggers once per turn. I love that they're turning Tom Bombadil into the storyteller of all these epic things because Tom Bombadil's character was there from the beginning and will be there till the end. Kind of this eternal godlike person entity. I don't know what you could really call Tom Bombadil. I mean, Tolkien scholars argue about what you could describe Tom Bombadil as. Mm -hmm. And so just to see that played out on a card, just the every single card, I just, I'm always just blown away with how they're making the flavor and the lore from Lord of the Rings translate into magic cards. And it fits so stinking well. Yeah. Yeah. They did a really good job. You know, I semi mourn Tom Bombadil's um, excision from the films. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. But I also understood it because yes. it's like its own little thing over there. It's a, this the whole weird aside for like <laughs> 70 pages or something. Where Which is delightful. I mean, there is set up yes. there. That's where they get the daggers of Westerness and all that mm-hmm. um, to, you know, do what they have to do later. Uh, but yeah, I was, I'm glad to see Tom get some shine here. Um, I love, I could, you know, the rhetoric around what Tom is and who he is and why Tolkien wrote him. Uh, I could also walk down that path, but I think, um, to be succinct, uh, (laughs) wizards did a great job. Um, and this is a cool direction that they took him in. Yeah. You, you put it a really really good way uh, to be succinct because we could probably have a whole podcast episode <laughs> debating Tom Bombadil. But yes, for the sake of time, there are so many more cards that we want to talk about. So what else peaks out of your mind? What What is kind of a flavor win for, for either of you two or a good legendary? Oh, I well, uh, this isn't a legendary, but it, and it's certainly not, you know, um, anything that we kind of haven't seen before, but I posted this on Twitter and this card really just struck, struck, struck me. It was a smite the deathless. And it is literally the moment, spoiler alert, um, that Eowyn stabs the witch king in the face and his essence is scattered forever through the doors of eternity. And, um, and with a little help from her buddy Mary in the ankle. Um, and this is that moment captured in a card, literally like, all the things it is red it's an action it is cheap to do it is done by these two people as depicted in this fantastic art i'll read what smite the deathless does it is one and a red it is an instant smite the deathless deals three damage to target creature the creature loses indestructible until end of turn if that creature would die this turn exile it instead we've seen variations of this before but Mm -hmm. never so cheap and never so fast and that is telling from this character and this moment. And moreover, that glorious flavor text 
no living man am I, because the witch king says that he cannot be harmed by any man, and Awen lets him know. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a fantastic yeah. moment, and like you said, they're kind of doing unprecedented things. So like this, this is so much better than a regular lightning strike, and so it's just I think it lends credibility to how heavy the moment is in the story too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, getting rid of indestructible, exiling the creature. Um, the Witch King, it, you have to discard a card, I think, right, in order to get Grant Indestructible. Mm -hmm. Is that what it is? So it's just ensuring that Smite the Deathless is like, no, you're not getting away with this. <laughs> you have a three toughness, you're going to die. Witch King of Angmar, yes, you can discard a card, give it Indestructible till it's a turn and tap it. Yeah. Uh, and also, whenever one or more creatures deal combat damage to you, each opponent sacrifices a creature that dealt damage to you this turn, and then the ring tempts you. So that brings out the next point. We haven't really talked about this, yeah. but what do you think of the ring tempts you mechanic? Because I've seen a lot of divided takes on it. So what, what do both of you think about that? Dana? So we probably should actually read what it does here um, before we get any further into it. Sure. So as a ring tempts you, um, you get an emblem named the ring um, if you don't already have one. And then your emblem gains the next ability and you choose a creature you control to become your ring bearer. So the abilities we have here are your ring bearer becomes legendary and can't be blocked by a creature with greater power. And then whenever your ring bearer attacks, draw a card and discard a card. Uh, whenever your ring bearer becomes blocked by a creature, that creature's controller sacrifices it at the end of combat. Oh my gosh. And then whenever your ring bearer deals combat damage to a player, each opponent loses five life. Excuse me, three life. Well, so like five life. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you have this progressively like as the the, the more the ring tempts the, the 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 ring bearer, kind of the stronger their abilities get and, and probably more harmful to your opponents. Well, and and it should be noted too, you gain all those abilities. You don't lose them as you keep gaining them. So Correct. you're just adding yes. abilities and abilities and abilities. So this mechanic is is pretty powerful, but what do you think about this being all upside? Because I, I have some thoughts, but I'm curious to hear what both of you think about the mechanic overall. So mechanically, I get why like that doesn't maybe necessarily make sense in terms of the books, but I also understand why um, just to like force it into the into the existing confines of the game and make people want to attempt to. I, I, I understand the logic between not having a downside to just make it be a thing people want to try to get and, and work with as much as possible in terms of gameplay. Like sometimes you have to occasionally make sacrifices for the rules cool. And th this might be one that I, that I think kind of falls into that where like, yeah, it might be more logical if there are more downsides, but I, I, I get why they had to make that maybe not include those to, so the card would or the mechanic would just get played a lot more in, in the environment. I think that's a very good explanation, Dana. Um, I, cannot argue with that. I do, however, do wish for some downside. I mean, the ring is known for being problematic, period. <laughs> and so I think that, you know, there is a miss uh, gameplay wise and, um, you know, lore wise in terms of depicting that or granting that. And I know they did iteration upon iteration and adding a whole new mechanic to the game. It just adds so much complexity and that's going to be narrow in this set. So I get it, right? But I feel like they could have, you know, um, Davriel has his conditions, right? And I guess that's something on Arena. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, something that that you could just see the the growing cost of, I mean, cumulative upkeep, upkeep is a thing, you know, like, and mm -hmm. no one sure. wants to deal with yeah. that anymore. But, but, you know, like, also there's this precedent and I'm, I, you know, this is something I, on a bit of a tangent, but I was like, why didn't you guys bring back Shadow again? Because it's literally <laughs> Shadow. <laughs> The, right, yeah. yeah. Which is the Morgul Blades it's from little, the Shadow. Yeah. Only, only, only the people in Shadow and the Lord of the Rings can affect the people in Shadow, which is the mechanic that you actually did decades ago. And I'm sure, <laughs> you know, that that also exists and that conversation was probably had, but it really seems like that's what you should do. And there is a drawback to Shadow because you can't block. Sure. And so, again, that kind of drawback to the ease of, you know, getting through the way a Shadow might seems appealing to me in this kind of set. And the ring, I think, could have benefited from something like that. I, I like that. And I think <sighs> it's it's hard to to kind of rationalize that. And Joey, I'm sure, 
And Joey's big on the, the names and descriptors of mechanics. Yeah, Joey left a note. Um, it says, I don't know Lord of the Rings as well as you guys do, but I wondered if instead of calling the mechanic the ring tempts you, they could have called it the ring's power grows or something. If they didn't want this mechanic to have a downside, it might have helped to use a different name that doesn't imply there should be a downside. Mm. So actually, that's a really good point. The, the name does imply that there's a negative to it, and yeah, very much there isn't. So yeah, no, I like that. Yeah, The tempting kind of hints that there's a downside. And I really like it Joey's does. distinction of the ring's power grows, the ring's influence grows, I think would be another one too. But I, I struggle also with how good Wizards of the Coast has been designing cards over the past couple years to think that they couldn't find a way to incorporate some sort of minuscule downside because they, they've done so well flavor-wise with the rest of the set that the marquee mechanic that makes this Lord of the Rings yeah. being a miss kind of, it, it stings a little bit. I think even just like if you draw two cards and lose one to show the, the mental decay that the ring right. has or draw a card, lose a life, those types of things, yep. those are already mechanics they have in so many... in. in I struggle to think they couldn't have found a creative way that has a little bit of a downside just to show that they're... Ask Frodo if it was all sunshine and rainbows being the ring bearer. It definitely wasn't. And so flavor-wise, this is one of the rare, rare misses in the set so far. For me, it's just, it's all upside having the ring tempt you. And, and that, just, it just doesn't set right with me. Yeah, it's a big one, you know. Um, and I again, I have, I played Middle Earth the collectible card game. Uh, that's the game that uh, I played instead of Magic the Gathering when it came out because I knew that once I got into Magic, my life would be over. <laughs> and here I am today. Uh, that's another story for another time. But, uh, but, but, but your life isn't over, though. No, no. But I mean, as I knew it, I suppose, let's say. Um, fair, not, fair. not that I would e expire, but in that the, the life I led before would be irrevocably changed. And that has happened. Mm -hmm. um, and so thank you, Magic. Um, <laughs> uh so that's all to say you know the pedigree of like card game and and the mechanics and i'm not here to really directly compare uh a game that no longer is functional to magic um but i they did a lot a lot perhaps too much in terms of the costs of winning the game and what the rings could do and the ring could do and the upside and the downside um it's fascinating uh mechanics maybe not functional but certainly fascinating um, I, I think purely from a gameplay perspective, one thing I do like about it is uh, the, their last couple attempts at kind of uh, Monarch-esque mini games. I think have had the problem of being difficult for the the third party in the game to track, whether it was like day or night or, or uh, the initiative even where like you have this little small card that someone's holding upside down in four point font with like three different rooms below three rooms. And like you have to, you know, look at the borrow that card from them every single time if you want to check and see like where they're at or what the next step is this just having four clear levels makes it visually i think much easier for you as someone playing against it to like see where they are on that and what the next level is i like that visually it's something that i can simply look at across the field and much more easily than keeping track of day or night or much more easily than the initiative I can grok what's going on. And I, I do appreciate that. I think the simplicity of it, I think, is something I really um, like and, and is going to make me want to play it more than some of their other attempts at like these kind of mini games. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's really good points all around. And so I guess this kind of brings us to the next question. What do you think of the one ring? Not the, not the physical ring, but the card, the one ring. So for everyone at home that doesn't know, the one ring is four mana for a legendary artifact that is indestructible. When the One Ring enters the battlefield, if you cast it, you gain protection from everything until your next turn. And at the beginning of your upkeep, you lose one life for each burden counter on the One Ring. And then you can tap it to put a burden counter on the One Ring. And then you draw a card for each burden counter on it. There's a lot of text, but do you think this lives up to the flavor that is the One Ring in Lord of the Rings? Um, I would say it does. And I think one of the reasons it kind of does is it. The, the way some of the, the wording is done in the text, it makes it difficult for you to interfere with it in a way that's beneficial to you because you you tap it, you put a burden counter on it and tap it and then draw a card for each burden counter on the on the one ring. Um, yes, you can proliferate that up, I suppose, but like it's it, it's going to do more damage to you the more counters are on it. Um, and when you remove counters on it, then you're going to draw less cards. Like you have to make that decision um 
when it comes to interfering with like the mechanics of the card, the more you interfere, the more it's going to hurt you or the less it's going to hurt you and the less cards you're going to draw. So like, I, I do like the fact that there's, there's not really ways to gamify it in a, in a way that's only beneficial. And that feels kind of accurate to the ring. The ring does what the ring does. And it's not you as a player aren't going to necessarily be able to do something to it. That's going to make it unnecessarily helpful to you. It's always going to ding you and it's, or it's, or it's going to help you less if you try to like remove counters or something. Yeah. So Ar- Arlando, what do you think? I, you know, I have so many thoughts about the one ring. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I, I think Dana made some really great points. Um, I think the the idea is generally here. And I think given our previous discussion about the ring, the other card that we just discussed, this actually has drawbacks, right? This has mm-hmm. elements and it is localized to this card, which is fine. Um, you know, I wish there was something about the temptation integrating with this more since that's such a prevalent mechanic. Yeah. Um, it'd be great if it more centralized and amplified uh, in this way here with this card. Um, I also would have liked to see uh, you win the game or lose the game mechanic here. Um, it's something difficult. No one likes those, but it could be challenging. For example, um, if you have Mount Doom in play um, and you sacrifice it in the one ring on the same turn for X amount of cost, you know, imagine like a meld mechanic with something like Urza or Planeswalker or whatever, mm. you know, you acquire these two yeah. cards in order to do this thing. And if your opponent does it, they get the op- opposite effect. Somebody wins, somebody loses if they are able to do it because that's what happens in the books, right? Mm-hmm. Sauron doesn't get the ring. The ring is destroyed in Mount Doom. Boom. Um, however, you know, had he gotten the ring, he would have won. So again, for me, that's just like me kind of casting my net. Um, that would have been nice. But that said, I think this is fine. It doesn't wow me in the way that the most powerful and influential artifact in the history of fantasy fiction should. Sure, sure. sure. Um, you know, it, it. You know, and I feel like it should. You know, one of the most famous lines about the Lord of the Ring, and this is because I'm a nerd. I'm gonna own it. Is that <laughs> you know, it, 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 its power grows in accordance to its bearer, or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. So it, depending if you have you know Frodo or Sauron or another character wielding it, I would have loved to see some kind of, if possible, scalable effect that would have amplified the, yeah. as equipment. Uh, to equip this thing and then really do the thing. Um, because that's what happens in the books. It's very easy. You put on the thing and it happens. I, I like the idea that you threw out there the, of having meld. So the, the, the one ring can meld into any different number of cards depending on what you meld it with. And, I, and I'm sure with a paper card game, logistically, that gets pretty hard to manage. So I understand why they didn't. But I love that idea, and I would have loved to see some sort of meld mechanic or just some way of combining some of the, the characters that you have going on. Yeah. You know, they, they kind of express that a little bit with Sam and Frodo with the, the pre-constructed decks where uh, Frodo Adventurous Hobbit has partner with Sam Loyal Attendant. Mm-hmm. So they're able to combine their power together. I really love that. I love that they showed kind of the, the bond that especially Sam and Frodo had. And so yeah. being able to, to show that between the One Ring and Mount Doom, for example, or, or anything like that, I think that would have been such a cool way to kind of express how unique it is. And I understand that there aren't any double face cards in the set and they probably wouldn't have done it just for one. Right. So I, again, I, I understand, but I do agree there, there was a lot of really cool ideas they could have done, but as far as what we did get, I do like the design. I do like that. It kind yeah. of does what the, the ring tempts you mechanic didn't do. And it offers a downside, but the downside becomes an upside when you're using it. And so how powerful do you let it become those, those types of things. Mm. So I, I, I agree. Is it the most powerful artifact in all of fantasy? Probably not, but it is a, it's a good attempt. And I do think a lot of players are really going to put this in several decks, Dana, especially. (laughs) <laughs> yes, but paying life to draw cards is absolutely That's my jam. Right up your alley, yeah. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. So yeah, no, I, I can't disagree with any of those complaints about it. Um, but I also like I'm 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 a little bit maybe I'm overly generous, but like I feel like a lot of these things that might not have entirely hit the way in in a perfect world I'd like to have them hit. I'm just so thrilled to see a lot of this stuff that like, yeah, I, I can't, I can't get too upset because I'm, it's, it's Lord of the Rings on magic cards. I and, am yeah, far yeah. from upset. Yeah. And the and thing I want to note about that too is how natural this all feels, which number one shows just how much of like our modern concept of fantasy is 
just directly from from people written by people who very much read Lord of the Rings when they were twelve. Absolutely, and have been and have been unable to shake some of those concepts, probably for the better in a lot of cases. But like, just just seeing all these cards, like, yeah, magic is indebted a game created by folks who love the hobbit and the lord of the rings yeah. and, and this mm-hmm. all feels akin to the world we're already used to hey i'm nolan sykes a host of past gas the number one automotive podcast in the world every week my co-host james pumphrey joe weber and i bring you some of our favorite stories from the hollowed halls of car history from the amazing to the weird to the utterly unforgettable moments we cover it all Join us as we take a look at the wild stories and larger-than-life characters behind legendary cars and car makers. So if you love cars or just like a good story, check out Past Gas by Donut Media, the number one automotive podcast in the world. Do you follow automotive news or do you just like cars and want to see what the heck's going on? Well, then you might like Donut Media's new podcast, The Big Three. Hi, I'm James Pumphrey. And every week, me and my co-host slash two of my top five friends, Nolan Sykes and Joe Weber, unpack the latest and greatest in automotive news and trends on The Big Three. You'll also get a lot of laughs, hot takes, and personal insight on cars from the biggest car guys in automotive media. So, whether you're a hardcore enthusiast or just a person who goes, up, that's a good-looking car, <laughs> check out The Big Three, available wherever you get your podcasts, or you can watch the full videos at Donut Podcasts on YouTube. So, so what else just is exciting to you? I, and I know it's hard to contain all of this in, in one episode, but I think we just really... The, it's it's such a rare opportunity for us just to gush about just how cool the set is. And like I said, we're only halfway through preview season. Right. There is so much more that we're going to see. Um, so it, we may miss a few of everyone's favorite cards, but if we do miss it, let us know in the comments what your cards are that we, we didn't get to talk about. But there's so much more cool stuff. So how about this question then? As far as folk that are in the fellowship of the ring... Which card do you think gets you the most excited to to build a deck around? Because they they have several iterations of all of the fellowship, whether it's mm. Marion Pippin or Gandalf, Gimli, all of them. Is there anything that stands out to you as far as the fellowship? Hmm. Um. I for me personally, that the the mono white Gandalf is probably the one that I like as a card and like already like oh this is going to be so good in my deck. And it also feels like like Gandalf. The the three mana, two white for an avatar wizard. It's a four or five with flash. Um, you may cast legendary spells and artifact spells as though they had flash. And and that's not necessarily anything that feels like it's maybe from the book, but it still feels right like a Gandalf card for some reason. Yeah. Even though like I'm not the, you know he's not summoning legendary artifacts from nowhere necessarily. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, just feels right. And, and I like that, like, even if they didn't necessarily grab something directly from the books, the the vibe is there um, for me. And he also has somebody, if a legendary permanent or artifact enters or leaves the battlefield, causes a triggered ability to um, trigger it, it does an additional time. Um, so again, you know, you, you could say that's the flavor of of Gandalf, you know, doing things for the party or, 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 or boosting their abilities or something, I, I guess. But it, it just feels... It feels correct to me, um, and, and a lot of these do. Like they, even if they aren't a perfect mirror of of what you would see in the stories, just the the, the flavor on them feels appropriate and 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 feels comfortable. I buy that, Dana. Yeah, I think Gandalf the White is extraordinary. There's another white Gandalf too, right? Like the White Rider. Am I wrong? Yes, um, I believe so. Yeah. Um. But yeah, but this guy, yeah, it feels like Gandalf. I agree. Um. I think. It's a very strong card in white, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's it just feels right, which is which is really lovely. Um, I think the flash and that's very Gandalf. He always the white rider appeared. He just showed up, right? And even before he became the white, he always just oh, it, hey Gandalf, you're here now. Um, and so that um, nick of time, uh, pun intended, um, <laughs> was very very on brand for this character. I, I one thing that I really appreciate too is just how they gave different iterations of of all of the main characters on the card. So you get several versions of Frodo and, and Gandalf, and really showing just the different moments in time where they came through and, and made an impact on the overarching story. And 
the, I, I like Gandalf, friend of the Shire. My only miss to me is, is some version of Gandalf, especially early in the books. He's very much a Simic mage. He loves hanging out with the halflings. He's, he's in the Shire all the time. And, and even Sar- Saruman says, you've been spending too much time with halflings. It, it, he just, his personality is very much a Simic mage. And I, it feels like a miss to me. Yes, we do get Radagast who kind of fills that slot, but I really would have liked, and maybe we still do get to see one. I think Gandalf the Grey probably should have been Simic colors, which I understand trying to fill mm. color pie s- slots. So, uh, but it is very is it in what it's doing. So whenever you cast an instant or sorcery, you choose one that hasn't been chosen. Uh, you can tap or untap a target permanent. Gandalf the Grey deals three damage to each opponent. Copy target instant or sorcery spell you control, and you may choose new targets for the copy, mm-hmm. or put Gandalf on the top of its owner's library for three and is it colors. So. It does do a lot of is it things, but none of them really scream Gandalf to me. But I, I, I feel a little differently. Really? Um, okay. I would have had, I think Gandalf born Narya, which was mm-hmm. the Ring of Fire. Yep. yep. And so I think they're kind of, uh, and he's blue because he's a wizard. and he's Because he's a wizard, yeah. Yeah. So I think that's kind of why they went in the direction. I probably would have added white just because that's kind of also his lane. So I made him yeah. um, Jeskai. Uh, it would have been super juicy. Um, so anyway, for those reasons of being a wizard and spell casting and Bernie, I kind of buy it. You know, that's just me. Yeah. I, he, he did have the Ring of Fire, which I, I get. He also doesn't use it a ton throughout. Well, yes, he uses it more in the books, but it, a lot of folks who are going to come in from the movies, yeah, they all, you don't really see a whole lot of that. You don't even really know that no. he has it. No, you don't know. Yeah, you really don't know in the films. Um, but but I am glad, that, especially with you cannot pass instead of you shall not pass. Uh, that's kind of one way that people t- tattle on themselves as not really yeah. having read the books. So Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's so ubiquitous, so it's very easy to to make that mistake, I think. Um, as far as cards I'm most excited about, um, mm-hmm. I think I'm gonna go with Aragorn the Uniter. Um, this card is a kitchen sinker. Um, it's, you know, in the in the vein of a Kenrith, um, only you getting it for free. So, so um, it doesn't have black in it, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, we've got um, this Aragorn the Uniter is red, green, white, and blue for casting cost. Legendary creature, human noble, mythic rare. When you cast a white spell, create a 1-1 white human soldier creature token. Whenever you cast a blue spell, scry two. Whenever you cast a red spell, Aragorn the Uniter deals three to target opponent, three damage to target opponent. Whenever you cast a green spell, target creature gets four, plus four, plus four until the end of turn. You start casting, you know, any dual color spells like this thing just gets goofy <laughs> um you know and uh yeah it, it seems like a super fun commander um so uh pretty excited about that guy yeah i i think it'll have a lot of overlap with what people do with ramos dragon engine decks mm. where it rewards you for playing spells with more colors so you're gonna see a lot of charms in this deck especially yeah. now that we have three color charms that all are getting pretty useful in most situations I think the the deck is going to be very very powerful because you get you cast one spell and you might get three of those abilities all at once. That's, that's crazy. That's a lot of value. That's a lot of value. It's a lot of value, and again, it's one of those cards like it just feels like what it, like it, it is from the books. It feels like it's a it's a it's a card lifted from what I kind of had imagined that phase of Aragorn in the book would be like. It just it. The vibe is there. It just works right. Yeah. I, if I had to be a critiquer, because I will be, I guess. Sure. Because I can't yeah. help it. Feel free. Um, you know, this is me being super specific and nerdy, and I get why wizards didn't do it. But having black going through the paths of the dead mm-hmm. feels like a major moment for Aragorn. And that is a way that you could justify him having that. Not that he needs it. Like, he's got enough. Sure. Seriously. I'm he he does. Yeah. for it. <laughs> but in terms of like, well, he totally brought that dead army back and that's very black, you know? Um, yeah, that's the only thought I had. Just why, where is the black? Maybe, you know. Well, it's also like one of the the few moments that he really acts selfishly. Like he establishes himself and, and speaks up for himself and says, no, I, I am the king. I, I will yeah. be. And, and it, it's kind of him accepting that part of him too, which he, he I know he kind of tried to stay in the background for so much of his life, but then he's finally owning it, I, I guess. But it, it, it 
the card itself, I like a lot. It's very, very powerful. And it's just these, these minor, it sounds like we're, we're dogging on these cards. These are so minor nitpicks compared to yeah. just all the, the, the great things that they're doing in the rest of the set. I also really like Aragorn and Arwen Wed. I, I know I'm a Selesnya player at heart, but just seeing that and it's how they play out, you get to, so it's four in Selesnya for a three, six legendary human elf noble has vigilance and whatever Aragorn and Arwen Wed enter the battlefield or attack, you put a plus one, plus one counter on each other creature you control. And then you gain one life for each other creature you control. If you're going wide, this also is going to do a lot of really cool things. You just amass your army. And I just, I like how it's showing that leadership of King Aragorn, just ruling and, and just benefiting from all the people around him, which is what he did throughout so much of the Lord of the Rings books. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not a big Selesnya player, but this is Selesnya city for sure. So, I mean, we've talked about a couple of Aragorn cards here, I guess. Would this be a time to to talk about kind of the elephant in the room regarding the Aragorn art that seems to... Um, the elephant in the room, the mumach in the room for my nerds. <laughs> yes, there we go. Yeah, yeah, the elephant in the room. Um, exactly. So, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'll take point on this one. <laughs> I think that, um, you know, top top line argument. There's a lot of back and forth and about this and what bothers me the most is that why are y'all so pressed about this like honestly it's just a fantasy character from a practically sacred text like i will grant you that and and a company chose to make a version of him in 2023 it the novels didn't change there will be other depictions that aren't on a card game and it'll be fine and so this all the rancor and the energy expended um a lot of the hateful energy as well it's like but aren't there really frankly better ways to expend your hate <laughs> you know like honestly like you all have all this time for this there are that we are at war there's a war in the world like what i'm very confused why this has got your goat and i'll tell you why though this is the other piece um and no one has really articulated this and there are as far as i've seen there are other characters in this uh, game which or have that have been given new new looks and new appearance and new traits. But Aragorn is Jesus. Aragorn is the perfect man, and you you had the audacity to come in here and make the perfect man black. Wow. So I think that is really why um, this character in particular, had it been Boromir, people been like, oh, there's a black Boromir. Well, but he dies, so it's fine. <laughs> and so like real yeah. talk, right? So like, I think that's in particular why people are more incensed. They would be mad, period, um, but more incensed. This is the other piece. I wouldn't have made the choice. Um, I don't necessarily disagree with the choice. It doesn't upset me. I'm a black man. I don't think it necessarily would upset me. But at the same time, I might not have made that choice. If someone else makes another choice on their own volition to give another character a different appearance, it's fine. Finally, someone came up to me when this card came out and I just retweeted it. I don't think I said anything very profound or something at the extent that I have here, which of course, some of my words might be taken out of context. I'm looking forward to that. Um, someone said, well, what would happen if you if they made the fairy white? And I was like, that's fine. So if we're in the business of changing and race swapping magic characters, I guess we have to do that for all of them. So that means we're going to have a 95% black cast in magic. And <laughs> if Teferi has to be sacrificed for the greater good, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll say... I'll fight you'll, the Balrog on that. You'll be the bigger person. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So it's just like, again, the fallacies of these arguments, right? Sure, like sure. all this yeah. petty back and it's just like, you guys, like it ain't that serious. Really. Uh, it is serious because the imagination is what we hold dear. It's what we believe in. It's what grows us up from children and why we get excited about talking about this at this late stage in the game. So I get why people on all sides are are excited and passionate. Um, I just think we need to move with respect and genuine, genuine respect. There's the, you know, the fake arguments and that people like to do and spin things, but there's so little actual real dissection about what's happening and why. And at the end of the day, still respecting the person across the table from you. Yeah. And, and I, it, the thing that always, every time I see these arguments that you're talking about, 
the the folks are saying, well, here's what Aragorn should have looked like, but then they show a picture with Aragorn with a beard. But Aragorn, if you're going to be a literary purist, be a, be actually do it. Aragorn yeah. couldn't grow a beard because he had he was had elvish ancestry. The the people of Numenor, where Aragorn's ancestors are from, couldn't they grow facial that. hair. Yeah, yeah they yeah. they couldn't grow beards, and so. But also you look at Galadriel, you, Galadriel Elven Queen, which is a card I'm very excited for. I, I think mm -hmm. Galadriel is one of the most powerful characters in all of Middle Earth. Yeah, absolutely. And the art on the card is not paper white like Kate Blanchett does in the, the no. movies. Uh, yeah. So I, I do agree there's, there's a little bit of it feels manufactured, but also just it, that has no... No impact on the character of Aragorn. It changes so, nothing. And that's it's like, yeah. yeah, like they did that, guys. When you make your card game, you'll be allowed to depict them however <laughs> you want. I won't come fight you. Yeah. Normal wizards. Does Aragorn, <laughs> look, does Aragorn look super cool in the card? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's for me, that's you've you've hit the mark I care about. Aragorn looks awesome on the card. That's for me the most important thing. And yeah. the fact that people, anyone can get spun up about anything else beyond that. Uh, yeah, it, yeah. It is baffling. The, the the art is fantastic and all the depictions we've seen so far. That should be the only thing you re realistically care about. If if you weren't getting wound up by the fact that James Bond was played by a, a Scotsman and, and someone who was Irish over the course right. of, you know, the, 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 the probably the most iconic James Bond we've ever seen was played by a Scotsman. If that didn't get you wound up, why is this getting you wound up? It, it just shouldn't. As long as James Bond is cool, that should be all that matters. As long as Aragorn looks cool, that should be all that matters. Well, you know, again, tradition getting specific with this argument, since we have the space for it, he's still white. <laughs> I guess we haven't you know seen what? a black I mean, James Bond yet. And that's, sure, that's what we're yeah. coming up against. Again, just really sure. having the real honest conversation about it in a way that is respectful. You know, that people have a lot of preconceptions on all sides about why and what makes a person a person. Mm-hmm. What makes a character a character? But but they're, they and they tend to be very much ground in our own reality and our yes. conception of those things. Yes, correct. Which is such a bizarre thing to then apply to this fantasy setting exactly. with elves and dwarves and, and right. So like we are we are implying our concept of people with this skin color only come from this certain place and people from this. Yeah. And like first of all, why are you applying those particular sets of rules to a fantasy setting? And maybe that's what you need to examine before you get anything else. Is like. Why am I thinking in those concepts with this, the, yeah. with this fantasy world? And, you know, that's energy expended that people feel comfortable or very passionate about, you know, racism and the idea of what a character looks like. And, and again, a lot of this is attached with love, real love for the property. And they believe in the sacrosanct nature of what they perceive as Tolkien's idea. I get that. I kind of have that too. But uh, we don't need to go to that extreme. I mean, if, if we're going to open up the door for other folks to play James Bond specifically, I would love Pedro Pascal or I'm on the Idris Elba train. I think <laughs> yeah. they both are just dashingly handsome and charismatic. I would love that. But also in Lord of the Rings, I it's. Yeah, I, I guess to, to repeat what you were saying, just it's it's weird to me, just the energy that people pour into this one detail that ultimately just doesn't matter. That's the battle that folks are picking. And yeah. I guess to, to me, it's worth pointing out for sure because there's there's a lot of of, prog of progress that we can still be making as a community. But I, I do want to focus our attention because I we do appreciate your your perspective yeah, uh, absolutely, sure. it's, and it's something that obviously we can't we can't offer. But yeah. as back to the cards themselves, is there anything else that maybe missed the mark a little bit for you that mm. actually does matter with the cards? Because we talked about something that doesn't really matter. Yeah. But what does matter to you on the cards as far as what wasn't really expressed that well when it comes to the cards? That's a really good question. You know, I, I don't I don't really think in that way. Um, so this is a new thought for me. So I don't have anything sure. coming to mind in terms of I did express like the shadow thing um, mm -hmm. already. Um, <clears throat> and so I really I mean, in terms of game design, um, I, I I believe in kind of integrating, you know, um, 
extant rules that you may already have in a way that can give fresh life to older sets of cards. Shadow in particular was why I was thinking about that. What mm -hmm. would that mean? And that way you can deepen the connections and raise the value of old cards and interest in the set that you've created. They're dealing with Middle Earth Enterprises, which has its own needs and probably doesn't want to conflate things, which is why we're not don't have planeswalkers in this set. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the thought crossed my mind today, I guess this is, I don't really want it. I don't miss them as planeswalkers. Um, I was in the play test for this for the first version of this there's a first uh wow. iteration of this and um there okay. were planeswalkers uh, i i don't think i can talk about more than that, that, <laughs> that the yeah. i can just say i did the play test so don't um, don't get yourself in trouble for our sake right no. right uh, but uh it's on it's recorded for all time um i would say that you know i I would say, as far as planeswalkers, an argument that was brought up that I saw, and I think from maybe Watsy themselves, I could be wrong, was that, um, well, planeswalkers don't really exist in Middle Earth. And I'm like, well, they don't exist in the Forgotten Realms either, but you have them. <laughs> right. And so you've got an old white wizard in the form of Elminster who is a planeswalker. And so, you know, and moreover, you've used, chosen the term avatar here. Um, I'm just pointing out the different double standard here, which is someone who has gone between worlds literally, like Sauron and Gandalf and all the, the Istari, the five wizards. Mm -hmm. um, they literally go between realities, you know? Um, so their spirit realm is where they came from. And uh, they enter into Arda, which is our world, the material world. That feels like a planeswalker to me. And it would make sense. Sure. Sure. So I don't want, again, I don't want that, but I'm like, but you could have it. And if you don't want to deal with it, that's okay too. It doesn't make me mad. Um, so um, yeah, I don't know if there's anything I'm expressly missing. Galadriel, you brought her up, is my favorite character, I think, in The Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. um, I think the way she's written um, is fantastic. And I kind of wish she had white in her. Um, and in the green, Galadriel, the gift giver, I think. Um, and maybe even the Elven Queen, because she is, you know, about that that standard and that classic like purity and unity mm -hmm. um and quote unquote you know white is attached to good isn't always but you know in the lexicon of what this game offers i think it making her selesnia the gift giver especially would have been probably great token generation is what she i, I agree Life game. yeah and it just feels like in terms of game marrying that so that crossed my mind just most recently when you talked about her um but that's kind of everything i think that's fair. D Dana, was there anything that you think might have been a little bit of a miss or or something that just wasn't quite right with you that we haven't talked about? We already talked about the, the, the ring temps you mechanic. I, you know, not really. And, and that's probably in part because I, I just – the, the property is so meaningful to me and something I've been waiting for for so long that I'm probably uh, extra forgiving of things that don't quite hit. Um Maybe some of the legendary lands, because I, you know, am look, always looking for an excuse to not run basics in my decks. <laughs> That's true. And, and considering how like iconic in, in my brain so many of these places are, um, maybe some of them are a little bit underwhelming. But like, uh, again, as someone who plays Magic, I understand why <clears throat> you can't just have, you know, Merkwood be a guy's cradle, like. We, we, it's so easy to break a fantastically powerful land and, and maybe that would be yeah. um, something like of that part level would be appropriate, but like, I don't think that's pretty good for the game. So mm -hmm. I, while it may be a bit of a, a flavor miss or, or feel like the, some of the power levels of them um, aren't what I would have hoped for. I also completely understand why they don't want to flood the game with a whole bunch of ridiculously powerful lands. Well, and that to me kind of brings into one of my concerns is the power level for this set seems absolutely through the roof. Hmm. This seems like like what Modern Horizons did to the modern format. I am maybe a little wary that the more that we see from this set, the more this could be that for Commander. Uh, everything we've seen so far seems very, very powerful. There, there are commons that just seem outrageous like <laughs> yeah. Merkwood bats uh, whenever it's it's four mana it's three and a black for a two three with flying but whenever you create or sacrifice a token each opponent loses one life we already have a ton of blood artist type of effects and just this is way better for token decks not <laughs> not to mention treasures are so easy to make yeah that card is just that of all cards, right? <laughs> In a set filled with like crazy legendary creatures, that's this one that you're like, oh, that's just busted. And I guess 
maybe that's the reason they wouldn't want that on a legendary creature so it's be able to be able to sit in the command zone mm-hmm. um, but that is funny to me that the, the card that like in so many people's minds is popping out as such a ridiculously strong creature is just some bats <laughs> yeah i have a question for you guys yeah so, go for it what are you what hasn't been shown yet that you hope in terms of lore and lord of the rings and we are only as you said halfway through who and what are you looking for so we haven't seen Elrond yet. I'm curious Elrond. to see that. Mm, yes, uh, that's a good one. There, there's a lot of big name characters that we haven't seen. Um, we, we've seen a lot of versions of pretty much everyone in the Fellowship. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I would like to see a couple other versions. Boromir only has one version so far. And I, I feel that it's some sort of protector of Gondor type of role because we already have the mm-hmm. mono white version. I, that's the big thing. I really want to see what Elrond does. Again, I, I mentioned... Big, yeah. I, I, I really like Galadriel, and I, I'm happy to hear that's one of your favorite characters. But Galadriel being the most powerful, or at least one of them, in, in Arda, I, the, the cards don't really show that to me. So I'm curious if they mm. kind of project that power onto Elrond, who's just a much more recognizable character, I, I think, for the, the typical fan. That's, yeah. one, that's one big character for me that I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to see. Yeah, that's that's actually I Elrond is is a totally <laughs> yeah totally forgot. Um, I'm going through a couple of characters, and um, mm-hmm. I know Bjorn features more in the Hobbit, but he would be great to see yeah as a werebear and uh, and then also um, Shelob. Um, yeah, that was, that was yes, that's my one I'm waiting for as well for sure. Well, and I know that Joey was absolutely tickled by the Joey token. I'm looking over at Joey. Joey's here, ladies and gentlemen. Joey, Joey's lab. bicep poking and in to, he to mention the food like, token. <laughs> so, that food token is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Shalob's food token. Yeah, yeah, just just the a Shalob. body wrapped up in webs. Um, it, it, yeah, Joey, I know loves that token. It is absolutely hilarious, but also flavorfully executed. So. Yeah, there, there, there's a lot of big name characters. Sheila will, will be one. I, Dane, I'm glad you mentioned that too. But yeah, there, there's just so much cool stuff. It's it's hard to to kind of parse through everything. I, I guess the only thing that really actually bothers me is that humans have blue in their color identity. Like the writers of Rohan have are, are just guy colors when like Rohan is the most Boros country in Arda to ever Boros a Boros <laughs> like ever. And like King Theoden is basically Tajik. And so to see them as Jeskai colors, I, I think that's a little bit of a weird, weird miss. I was saying from the beginning, hopefully the elves in, in Lord of the Rings are going to be green and blue. Uh, maybe the Easterlings are like the only humans to be blue because they're basically pirates. Yeah. Effectively. Yeah. But I it, it's weird seeing especially Rohan have blue in their color identity. But that's like, again, that's nitpicking for the sake of nitpicking, everything else is just absolutely fantastic. Sure. Yeah, I, I concur. So so, so to the both of you then, I, I'm i not huge on art. It usually doesn't affect me or uh, make a huge impact on my experience. But Arlando, as a cosplayer especially, what do you think of the art here? Because there's a lot of so many cool Easter eggs for fans of Lord of the Rings. Like you have the, the panorama for Battle Pelennor Fields. Yeah. Has anything caught your eye there? Any yeah. spoilers, potential cosplay I ideas? I want to say, uh, well, Aragorn has crossed my path already. And I don't know if I want to be in the line of fire for that, uh, mm-hmm. um, to be frank. And that's something else. I know we'd kind of close the book on that one. But that's the very real reality of doing business these days. Mm-hmm. Um, Dave Raposa's isengard destroyed it's an a giant scene of saruman and other moments from the battle of isengard where you have ants and the tower of isengard and uh, members of the fellowship and orcs and it's just such a eye popper for me um yeah i love that art yeah, the art as a whole um, just feels like they they went a little bit next level. Um, not the magic art isn't you know generally pretty pretty good, but so much of this stuff feels like uh, they went above and beyond. Whether it's some of the panoramic um, cards or I mean just everything about it. I I, I am just the, the the art has been one of the things that has really caught my eye so far in this set. It, it's 
I mean, for me and, and what it's evoking and what's making me feeling, make me feel, it's you know the, the best art set I've seen in Magic in, I mean, maybe ever for, for me so far, and we're only halfway through it. It's, it's just everything I would have possibly wanted. So I have nothing but great things to say about it. And having seen some of the panoramas here um, with, you know, a bunch of cards together at once depicting some scene from, from the books, um, absolute home run. I, I don't know why. No notes. <laughs> Thank you. No, no notes. Yeah. Uh, so I, I love, love, love the basic lands for the set with the the map of Middle Earth. So all the different basic lands have a, 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 an iconic location. It's so cool to see. It's I'm buying so many of the. I, I'm sure my accountant would shudder when I had like told them how much I have earmarked for this set, but uh, it's there's so many just cool little things. Whether it's the nine separate arts for the Nazgul, mm. that is such a cool homage to to the characters there. I just remembered something that I did want for okay. the set. Two things. Okay. I mentioned the Battle of Isengard and the art that David Posa did. Um, Isengard destroyed, I think. Um, and the card, Saruman of Many Colors, is uh, figured in that large panorama of art. Mm -hmm. um, but Saruman of Many Colors is only three colors. And I, and I kind of wanted him to have red. He's Esper at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, it feels like a few colors. Saruman of a few colors. <laughs> so, so, yes. Well, it's not all uh, colors. It's many colors. And, and right, right, exactly. 60%. So, Right. So, but I think many, you know, many is on the, on the more side and particularly at the lore of Saruman at the end of, you know, um, towards, you know, when he's been completely corrupted, he's very red. He's very you know, Grixis colors. And, yeah. Yeah. It's super, you know, and so I think that felt like a miss. The other thing I wanted, um, was in terms of, well, we haven't discussed the rarity of the one ring um, that exists. The, the, the one of one of one the ring. The one of one. But I wanted, and this is, again, me just pieing this guy stuff, so I know I can't get always what I want. <laughs> um, but I wanted three of three for the elven, seven of seven for the dwarves, yeah. and a nine of nine for the men. That And then in addition to the what they did, you know, with the number, I think, but having like even this other group that reflects that, that would mm -hmm. just turn this into like mania. Well, <laughs> like, and, and can you imagine? Like, <laughs> And correct me if I'm wrong, I, I, Dana, you might have said something about it before, but they do have the the elven, the dwarven and the human they do. rings. They do have a version of soul ring that are, I think there's. 3,000, 7,000, and 9,000. So mm -hmm. th I guess that is cool, but I, I agree. Having the one of one and then the three of three and just to, to complete yeah. that whole set. Oh like, my gosh. But you you know that you have so many collectors out there that would be turning over just yeah. absolutely just furious. You know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say that they did do it. I'm going to create this reality now you, you, in my yeah. mind as a wizard. And I'm going to say, it's just this secret thing. This is going to come out. You know, like what they, what they do with Zendikar, the first one, they had mythic treasures or whatever they had. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing where they're just going to have a, these three of threes, seven of sevens, <laughs> unannounced. No, but I wish. Yeah. Well, and then I guess the last thing that I want to shout out that is really cool to see is the box toppers. Uh, there's there's more ancient tombs so Dana can lose life to, to make mana. <laughs> they're, they're, they're just f checking so many boxes with, okay, well, now also we have these amazing reprints also that are sparked into or, or skinned i should say into the lord of the rings universe and that's just it's all there's just they didn't have to do that but they're just hitting another box that i think is just fantastic yeah the party tree is one that i'm most excited about i think a reprint of the great henge is an awesome idea um that card is expensive and still and it's uh it's very powerful so i think it's a really great idea um to have that one as a box topper yeah, absolutely. It's just I just I know that I keep pointing out the flavor and the lore wins that they have, but all of the reprints they fit with the card that they're they're redoing. Whether it's Isengard, Saruman's Fortress is a redo of Besiege who who shelters all, which makes sure that you can have spells that aren't going to be countered by paying a couple life, or you have Elisar the Elfstone, which is a reskinned Cloudstone Curio, uh, which that's a card that got really expensive without really anybody noticing. I know yeah. the, the, I, I, in my head, it's like, oh, it's a 10, $15 card. No, it's like no, $40. $40. <laughs> like, so so I'm, I'm very happy to see that. But also Ancient, Ancient Tomb is very, very expensive. I know Dana will, will never let me not know that. Um, but also since Joey's not here to tell me, no, I can't talk about it. 
Barrow Downs is a reskinned Bajuka Bog, so you can still exile graveyards. Yes. Even in Lord of the Rings worlds. Yes, his reaction is gold. <laughs> I was going to say that. Ahem. <laughs> <laughs> when I first saw that too, I didn't see that it was a reskin. I'm like, they gave me a second Bajuka Bog? Joey's going to be so mad. <laughs> they're like, oh, it's just the same one. No, I don't know. No, I can't run two. Yeah. Yeah, there's just there's so much awesome stuff going on. It's it's just absolutely a home run. And I, honestly, I'm glad, Orlando, that you got to come on the show because just getting to nerd out for a little bit about this set that yeah. just we haven't even gotten to play with it yet. And we're already so excited for it. It's just yeah. it's super cool. So it, I guess before we sign off, is there any last thoughts about the set, about what you're hoping to see anything like that before we go? Last thoughts about the set and what I'm hoping to see. I have been so pleased with the art and the choices and the bravery and you know you got to get into the most sacrosanct of of lore and and ips ever the lord of the rings is like you better do it right guys and i think they're doing a fine job um so yeah that's basically um all i have to say things that i want to see um i just want to see more just want to see more yeah I, i can get behind that dana anything I, I want to see the set do so well that we um, get to revisit it in like a Silmarillion set so I can get a, a, a Juan the Hound card, which is one of my favorite characters from the Silmarillion. And I want to see the I want to see that as as a, a, a commander I could run. So um, Baron and Luthien, there's just so much stuff in the Silmarillion I would love to see as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I just want this set to continue to be an absolute bomb so we can get more of them in the future. Yeah, I, I, I'm behind both of those ideas. I, I also want to shout out the the debut video when they had Elijah Wood come out and they showed him the one ring and he was like, oh no, I gave it back. And then they had the nice little Ian Holm just, oh no, it's it's here in my pocket. That moment was just so, so heartwarming. It just, uh, it it was just fantastic. I, I, I've just been so impressed with everything. So I, again, I, I know I've said this so many times, this set is amazing. Small nitpicks here and there, but yes, I, I'm just, I'm glad to see it. So I guess with that then, Arlando, thank you so much for coming on, for for nerding out with us, for getting a chance just to hang out and talk. Uh, one more time before we go, where can everybody find you on social media? Just plug whatever you want to plug uh, so people can support your work. For sure. I'm primarily on Twitter these days at Teferi Magic. Instagram is Teferi MTG, and my sadly neglected Facebook is Teferi Time <laughs> Um They normally have my glowing eyes face, so it's pretty easy to spot. Um, thanks so much for having me on. This is literally like just a dream. <laughs> Talking about Lord of the Rings and magic. It's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, well, it's, it's awesome to have you on. Uh, Dana, where can everybody find you real quick? You can find me on the Twitter birds at Dana Roach. Um, I'm writing articles for EDH Rec and Commander's Herald. And you can find all of us together um, at patreon.com slash EDH Recast. And I'm Matt Morgan. You can find me on Twitter at Mathemus55. Don't forget, we are streaming over at twitch.tv slash EDH Recast. Shoutouts to Chase, also known as Mana Curves. You can find them on Twitter as well for doing editing, helping out Joey, who you can find on Twitter at Joseph M. Schultz. So thank you, everyone, once again. Let us know in the comments what your favorite cards are. I, like I said, we're only halfway through at the time of recording, so there's going to be lots more cards below. So let us know in the comments what you are most excited about. But thank you, everyone, and we will see you all next time. Mm-hmm.